Hello and welcome to School Growth Mastery, produced by Enroll Hand, where we help schools, preschools, colleges and universities find their voice, connect with their ideal parents and grow their enrollment. We will bring on a diverse list of guests from school heads, admissions officers, marketing experts, parents and more, each with a unique insight into how you should grow your school in this changing landscape. Thank you for listening. this episode, I'm joined by Ryan Schoff, instructional designer, professor, and author of five books. Ryan thinks and writes about using digital tools and game-like learning experiences in the classroom to engage today's learners in new ways. His new book, which we talk about in this episode, explores learning in the age of disruption. How is this related to school growth, you may ask? Well, listen, and you will find out. Watch out for when a young student in the future runs a digital project with a scientist in Antarctica. The short answer is that parents know and feel that the age of disruption is upon us. If you can create an experience that will excite young students, word of mouth will rise. Here's Ryan. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me today. I wanted to start with uh, something I um, I think I read somewhere on one of your posts on Twitter, it might have been, or in a prior interview. You're a fan of Dune, the Dune books by Frank Herbert, and I, that's going to lead us into you know, technology and future and all that. But what do you really like about the Dune series? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's That's a really cool question. So... I wasn't a big reader when I was younger, but the one genre of book I truly loved was science fiction. And I'll tell you what, if you've never read Frank Herbert's Dune or any of his other his um his son is also a prolific writer and he's written an entire series. So there's probably 30, 40, 50,000 pages out there of just a really good um uh, sci-fi um story that spans 30,000, 40,000 years of human evolution um, and technology. Uh, it's just, it's masterful. It's fantasy-based. So that's really what I picked up on Dune. I loved the hero story, um, you know, going from, you know, you have the protagonist going from just a teenage boy to somebody who would be considered almost godlike. Uh, and a story is quite amazing. But the books were definitely my first long-term um uh, like dip into reading really long form books. The reason I ask is because I really loved those books as well when I was young. And I think it, these books, these types of sci-fi books, and I would add the Lord of the Rings and other types where exactly as you said, they create, the authors create these whole worlds uh, where we can live in for thousands of pages these are very much like modern day video games only maybe they were better uh, but they have some similar traits how do you use you know video games how do you think of video games as learning um, experiences just like you would think of dune as a, a world of, of learning how do you think of video games as learning experiences today it's you know gone are the days where you just memorize content and uh and you know just uh, all all these facts now it's about storyline and seeing relationships and video games have now um 
really evolve to the point to where the really good ones are the ones that have storylines that really um, uh, that speak to the player uh, and really resonate with um, you know them getting to choose their own identity and go through this this um, you know this adventure this this uh, these experiences. Um, and that really is uh, kind of ties into how you can learn with gaming. Um, gaming is absolutely a medium with incredible potential. Video games give the user a little bit more control. They get to make their own decisions. They get to live with the consequences of their actions, or they get um, you know positive feedback for their interactions or the actions that they take. They uh, also get to learn through making mistakes. Uh, video games are very good with that because we can just replay the game, replay the level, try a different strategy, and come at it in a different way. They're probably the best medium for learning growth mindset where you learn through your mistakes and you learn by experimenting and tinkering and trying new strategies. That's um, interesting. Yeah. So I love the storyline and I love I love how people are able to um, get into these new identities that, uh, you know, they, it helps them to think about new perspectives in the world or in the, in fantasy, but it also provides them with the opportunity to actually take ownership of the actions and the decisions that they make when it comes into a learning context. That's absolutely vital. The power goes to the students. Uh, it's, it's taking, I don't want to say it's taking the teacher out of the equation, but it's putting them in more of a supportive role as which a teacher should be. Um, like a guide. Yeah, it's uh, a guide, a facilitator. Um, video game or game-based learning is what they also call it, um, is really about student-centric learning. Um, and that, I think, is the key for learning in the future. And a lot of times they want to demonstrate what they've learned. Uh, they'll, they become prosumers. They both consume information from the video games, but also they produce their own content. Uh, that's why it's popular now to have your own YouTube channels filled with video game strategies or, or people making strategy guides. It's because they like to share their knowledge. Um, it's absolutely mm. uh, amazing uh, how much time that they'll put into playing their video games. Uh, but also on trying to help their community, the video game community, to try and solve these complex problems. Um, and, of course, uh, it's it's about metacognition, too, because they have to think about their strategies. They have to think about their thinking as they're playing. Uh, so this way they can strategize and they can um, adapt and conquer whatever challenge they have in the game. And And it really prepares them also for how the real world is nowadays, because these things you describe and you know the youtube channels with explainer videos sharing of tactics strategies on social channels on different streams of information this is how the business world the corporate world the the outside the real world works now so they get versed in these strategies that they can use later on in life yeah it's a lot it's it and it goes beyond just strategies and um, video games or the game-based learning or digital game-based learning, whatever you want uh, to do, they are really incubators of the next generation skills we want our workforces to have or we want our um, global citizens to have in the future to succeed. Um, we want them to be good problem solvers. We want them to be designers and creators and communicators and collaborators uh, and, um, and strategic thinkers. And, uh, we also want them to 
act ethically and morally. Um, we want them to get along and, and be able to work with people outside of their own culture or their own ethnicity uh, or people from other countries. It really does give them like the keys to their future. I want to ask, do you have kids, Ryan? Yes, I have, I have two. I have two boys. One's eleven, and one is five and a half. Do you play video games with any one of them? Yes, uh, both of them. Um, and which which kind of games do you play? Ah, uh, so with for my younger one, I I play quite a wide variety. Right now, I'm playing a game. It's a, it's an older game. It's called the Oregon Settler. It's based. It's kind of like a mix of the Oregon Trail with um, Farmville. If you remember old Facebook Farmville yep. games. Um, I do it. I mean, there's really no, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun game, but it absolutely teaches some vital, um, uh, you know, some vital skills that they might need in the future. It, it's a social studies game. Uh, it's built upon history, you know, learning about the Oregon trail, you learn about some history. Um, and the nice thing is, is you, t you get to talk to your, uh, children or your child as you're playing the game. Uh, but there's also other skills built in. Um, you know, you have to deal with a uh, microeconomy in your town because you have to collect rent and people earn money. Uh, you have to deal with uh, natural resources and capital resources because not only do you have to obviously feed your town, but you also have to build and construct other things to be able to succeed in any of the missions that you might have in the game. Um, there is uh, opportunity cost, um, you know, thinking strategically so that you can improve your town without killing it. Um, <laughs> there's also, it also teaches you again about the history and the type of people and the jobs that they had. Uh, so it's absolutely wonderful. Again, it's teaching you through a very simple storyline that I feel safe for my five and a half year old, um, child to learn. And I guide him through the experience because I'm not playing the game. He's playing the game, but I'm playing it with him. So we take turns, we play, we talk, and that is um, uh, the pleasure for him. Now, my my eleven and a half year old, he's kind of evolved to other games. He can play a game, but it doesn't become his life. You know, he has to make good decisions when it comes to his screen time um, because he doesn't get a great deal of it. So he chooses to use it for mostly short form games. Um, so. Yeah. They have to have both um, positive digital and non-digital experiences in their lives. They have to be able to deal with social, um, you know, be able to develop social skills, not only um, digitally, but of course, non-digitally. I was reading, uh, you know, the book Most Likely to Succeed by Tony Wagner and uh, Ted Dindersmith. And there was a passage that struck me. Um, it said, in 1893, students compared the teacher's lectures to a church sermon. I'm paraphrasing here. In the 1980s, it was compared to or competing with a low-resolution VHS video. Now it's Netflix and Fortnite and all these games. So it, they, the authors concluded a, a teacher who can hold the attention of class for a period is performing a miracle. With this, I mean, the world has changed so much. This competition is creating a very difficult situation for teachers today. And I think your view there is it shouldn't be difficult because you can actually leverage these things, the, the power, the excitement, if you do it right with the balance we've talked about, the excitement that's that's generated, the fun. One of your nine kind of uh, principles is it has to be fun. Teaching, learning has to be fun. 
you can actually tap into that, right? You can tap into that. And when you do that, uh, you're not competing with these things. You're channeling them. Yes, absolutely. Um, I wrote a book with a colleague of mine, uh, Ian Jukes, uh, and Nikki Mohan, t- uh, two colleagues. Um, and we, I, um, we outlined nine key attributes, these learning attributes of the digital generations. And yes, the last one was learning must be relevant, fun, and useful for uh, the learners, or you won't have that type of engagement. Maybe talk a little bit about your latest book and, uh, you know, you can kind of highlight like something in there that you feel, uh, you know, really is an example of this, uh, how, how students really get engaged when you, when you, when you use games in, in, in teaching. All right. So the, the book that was, it was just released last, um, last month uh, through our Corwin. It's called A Brief History of the Future of Education. Um, and it sounds kind of like a play on words, and really it is, but it's, it's, education's all about looking back and looking forward. We look back on the history and what you know education was, but we also look forward to what education has to be, uh, has to become and has to change into. Um, with this book, uh, we start right off the bat, um, my co-author, um, Ian Jukes, um, and I, we start off talking about mindsets uh, and how mindsets, sometimes we just don't question why things are done that way. Uh, we have what's called the Tatwati mindset. That's the way we've always done it. Uh, and we do, we provide a bunch of different examples of how Tatwati has um, uh, experienced, uh, you know, is experienced in the, in the world around us um, and how it just really shapes everything that we do. Um, for instance, you know, systems, bureaucracies, you know, societies, they're all built upon all of these different structures that people really don't sometimes question or are critical about why we do things the way we do them. You know, why is our school, why are our schools, um, pretty much philosophically, structurally developed the way they are? It ties back to, again, where you're talking about Tony Wagner and most likely to succeed. He was talking about in in the 1890s, that's really where they developed the structure of traditional schools. The schools that many kids today, my my two kids now are going, they go into a system of school that was really designed before women could vote, before there was, you know, before a lot of houses had indoor plumbing. Uh, and during the time of horse and buggies, that's, that's pretty damn scary. Uh, and I'm not, again, I don't insult schools. I think they're absolutely wonderful. I don't insult the hardworking teachers. I absolutely love them. I still consider myself one, but we have to question systems because systems have a way of becoming rigid and cemented over a long period of time. That's the way we've always done it. Yeah, I think that's very clear, and uh, you know, there's starting to be consensus that this industrial model of education has to change a lot, and every, people are trying to change it. But as you mentioned with your example, it's hard because there are forces that are keeping you, uh, keeping all of us in check. Um, and like, do you discuss in the book some? strategies or pathways to to accelerate that change to 
change this uh, old uh, educational system and maybe i don't know games being uh, or 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 leveraging the digital world being one such way i don't know yeah absolutely i mean the book uh, again a brief history of the future of education um i basically gave you chapter 1 there are nine chapters in this book four or five of the chapters are just straight out strategies on how to evolve teaching and learning. Uh, it, uh, specifically, it focuses on the attributes of the digital generation, the, those learning attributes that um, teachers can access. Uh, if they read it over a weekend, they can access them on Monday morning. Uh, they can start making those real connections with their students. Uh, we also um, take a look at how learning will be in the year 2039. So we jump in our time ship, our time <laughs> vessel, and we go forward uh, two decades to take a look at what learning will need to be like for our students to be successful. And it talks about the um, the predictions of what learning will look like, but it also talks about the new, um, the new next generation skills our students will need to learn. Again, tying back to Tony Wagner and uh, all of his research uh, and his works um, not only most likely to succeed, but also the uh, Global Achievement Gap, his book from, I believe it was the early 2010s, uh, really awesome book that outlined the survival skills of the 21st century. Um, okay, without and- spoiling the book, I need to ask you to give me a teaser of that chapter, a little teaser for, because I think that's very interesting. Uh, okay. So, so which one do you do? You want the, the what the, learning will look like the when you got when you went into the the when you took the future vessel and went to nineteen twenty thirty nine? Well, it takes the day in the life of Alice, so a young a young um, third grade student goes to just a regular school, um, and it uh, it it goes through her day of um, her. Um, going through and doing something extremely important when it comes to uh, uh, the environment. So she's a third grader. She's interacting with uh, artificial intelligence. So she has her own personal assistant, kind of like if, you know, if you're a big Avengers fan, it's kind of like Tony Stark and all his, uh, you know, in his Jarvis or be, um, you know, I think Friday is the new one in, you know, the, the female voice. Um, Anyway, it's, it's her kind of interacting with artificial intelligence, but it's not, uh, you, you know, it, it's her, to help her do research and help her to structure her life um, for, um, to, you know, to, to this way so that she can go through her learning experiences at school. Um, and she has her own one-to-one device. I call it the idea pad. So uh, it's kind of a mixture of an iPad uh, with a lot of other, a lot of other functionality built into it. Uh, so it's a tablet that does a lot of other things, and it also carries around, um, you know, a mobile version of, of of this what I call Eva, this artificial intelligence, um, and and you know, and that focuses a little bit too much on technology and that display at the very beginning. But then she goes through and she experiences something awesome, and that is that she is solving a real world problem that her school's currently experiencing. She is um, she is solving a problem to where her school um, produces too much trash a day. Uh, you know, her school produces like you know, uh, two, like you know, close to a hundred pounds of trash a day. And what her her group does is they research ways to um, 
decrease the amount of trash that they are producing at their school to the point to where she actually decreases it quite a bit. She presents this not only to her teacher, but also to a scientist that's stationed in Antarctica, uh, somebody who, who she has researched um, to discover ways to decrease this type of pollution. Um, she's going through and she's, you know, she's going and she's um, building things uh, like new wind turbine blades. She's trying to experience and develop ways to create clean energy. Um, she is also, um, you know, going to a massive library reading learning commons where she can access pretty much any book that's ever been written by man, woman, or child. Um, and she's exploring uh, the rainforest. So this way she can learn more about it for her project. She works with a collaborative team. Uh, they they use the data that uh, they've worked with when it comes to the custodial staff. They've discovered how much um, trash they've decreased. And it's been, you know, it ends up being close to 50% of the trash uh, has been decreased at their school. Um, and that's pretty, that's a pretty significant reduction. And they're just, they're not the only group doing this. All the other students are engaged in these types of real world learning experiences in which they're trying to make the world a better place. But they're also, they're seeing the connection to their community uh, with working with other types of content experts. Uh, and uh, they, um, it's more of just-in-time learning. They're discovering as they go, oh, I don't know how to create a graph. Well, let's learn about you know, creating a graph. Um, let's let's figure out what are the fundamental um, things to make a really engaging presentation to um, to this you know to this the scientist in Antarctica. Uh, so it takes it takes it through the day in the life of this girl named Alice as she goes through and she develops you know she does all this project she delivers the project um, and it also ties in a lot of Wagner's survival skills. The, other, the you know other next generation skills that are absolutely important and it and actually it point pinpoints to the story where it's happening uh, because sometimes t- you know teachers educators parents they want to see it, it like they want to conceptualize it they want to see okay how do I do this type of problem solving and collaboration and adaptability and learning through failure and game based learning and all this that and the other so that's done in this Alice chapter. I really like it. And what I like is it, it really gives um, a vivid picture of what school is going to be like or could be like in the future. But what's interesting is that parts of that are also true today in some schools. And just linking that back with the general theme of the podcast, which is school growth, uh, engaging parents. I think parents know this is the future that's coming. So if your school starts to uh, move in that kind of direction, whereas, uh, you know, you have a, a class where uh, some students talk to on Skype with, with scientists in Antarctica or in Europe or whatever, all the community is going to start talking about that project. And that's the students are going to be engaged. They're going to learn just in time, as you mentioned, even today. I mean, and everyone's going to be talking about that. And that's great. Um, yeah. So I think and, yeah. And, and the book outlines like the different, not only these different characteristics of what learning should be like, but it also makes a connection to where teachers are right now. And it shows them just different ideas and strategies. That's, that's the one thing is 
I pride this book that has had, it has over two or 300 individual strategies, tools, apps to use to really, to, to help to um, begin this type of modern day learning uh, experiences that our students are absolutely going to embrace and love. Um, because I don't want it just to be all conceptual. I don't want it just to be all theory. I want, I want it to, to go from a 30,000 foot view to, to boots on the ground application. Uh, and that's, I think where this, this book is, I think where uh, we really succeeded. Um, and um, it, it's, it's going to give a lot of ideas, but of course it's also going to provide educators with a lot of different resources that they can use to see that it has actually, it, that actually works, that you have proof that it actually has worked in other places. I have a, a final question for you, Ryan. Then you can uh, you can share any parting thoughts you may have. It's a strange question. <laughs> what are committed sardines? <laughs> okay, so my mentor, who's almost like a father figure to me, I'm you know he would yell at me if I said that, but I don't care. His name is Ian Jukes. He is a uh, he's called like an educational evangelist. Um, he's a prolific speaker. He's an author of close to 20 books. Um, he's been in the game for, I don't want to say a long time. He's been in the game for a long time when it comes to trying to create this type of educational revolution where he really tries to tra- change schools for the better, to, to, to embrace these different types of next generation skills and focusing more on processes rather than just only on content. And where committed start the, where this this metaphor this where this analogy comes from is if you think about um, uh, uh, like something like a big creature like a blue whale okay it's it's seventy five eighty um, feet long uh, it takes forever to turn it takes I think up to five minutes to do a complete turn that is almost if we use it as a metaphor that could be educate an education system it takes forever to change direction right. Well, if you think about a school of sardines, um, you know, they usually travel around in bunches of, you know, tens, hundreds, even millions of individual sardines. And what happens is they travel in these massive schools that, you know, when when you think about the biomass could be a lot heavier than a blue whale. But they can change direction. Just a few of them can change direction almost in, you know, lightning fast in a few seconds. And they can change directions. Uh, They become what's called a committed sardine. They change the school's direction and the others will follow. So that's this metaphor that that Ian's created. You know, he's created, I think it's well over a decade old, this this type of um, uh, term, the committed sardines, to where it's it's about trying to access these, um, you know, these, 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 early adopters, these, these people that are really ready for, you know, powerful change in education. He's trying to access them so that they will lead schools and the system down a different path, a path, hopefully away from where it was looking, where it was going, you know, to the new direction. That's very inspiring, Ryan. Um, I, I really like the, not the, the metaphor, um, and I do think that, uh, you know, digital tools like the ones you, the practical tools that you mentioned in your book are 
one very strong way to do that. I've seen it myself. I've seen kids suddenly burst with energy when it's like you tap into something that's beneath the surface when they are able to communicate and collaborate um, in a way that they're used to, that they like. Uh, there was this one example I saw on Twitter where there was a teacher giving a lecture and she suddenly realized that all the class had opened up this Google Doc and we were taking notes. And because she wasn't clear on a number of points, they were like all riffing and commenting and kind of making sense of the lecture in real time as she was lecturing. And, you know, whereas normally they'd be very sleepy because the lecture was not very clear. Uh, now they were all like pulsing together as a team. So I think, you know, it's it's kind of this also network effect that I like when I hear the term committed sardines. I don't know if that's intended in the metaphor, but I, I feel this kind of like group work, which is exciting and there's some kind of energy there. And I really think people should read your book and start using some of these tools and and um, and strategies to see if that kind of burst of energy happens in their own classroom. I hope so too. <laughs> Uh, Any absolutely. parting thoughts, Ryan, for the listeners? Uh, yeah, if uh, if you're interested in a brief uh, history of the future of education, and actually we've had the distinction of being on the Amazon's um, hot new release and best sell, uh, best selling um, list. Uh, we were on there for a month straight. Uh, in, in education reform and, and education policy. Um, if you follow me on Twitter uh, at uh, Ryan L. Schaff, I can provide you with a code that I'll actually give you 20% off of the book. Uh, it's uh, But you're going to have to follow me on Twitter to be able to get that little uh, reward again. You know, I'm, I'm the game, I'm the gaming professor. <laughs> so, you know, to win, to win your reward, you must Succeed and find me on Twitter. Um, you can also reach us, uh, both myself and Ian Jukes uh, and his absolutely talented wife, uh, Nikki Mohan, at infosavvy21.com. Um, we uh, collaboratively do many different presentations around the world. Uh, we work with school systems um, to help them embrace the future. That's great. And I will be linking all the resources you mentioned. I'll be linking the Amazon link for your latest book, as well as the previous books and your Twitter handle in the show notes. So if listeners like click through to that, they'll have the links there as well. Uh, but I like the idea of, <laughs> of uh, the Twitter follow. And just see, like little games like that, they, they work. They work. I will certainly follow you on Twitter and get my reward. Thank oh, you so much, thank Ryan. You. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, and I appreciate your time. Uh, and good luck, everybody. Thank you. thank you for listening to School Growth Mastery, brought to you by Enroll Hunt. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe to our show and share this episode with your fellow educators. You can support us by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. That way, more school leaders like you will find us. If you want to learn more about school growth, visit our website at enrollhand.com and please do check out the links in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, goodbye for now.